Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Happy Sunday, everyone. Oh my gosh, I love the energy in here. I love how everyone is so united and kinetic, like connected energetically right now. And I just feel all of God's love's presence in this room. Um, I just want to take a second to say congratulations to our doctor in the house. I mean, come on, that is a huge thing. And and honestly, from the bottom of my heart, you have um, this space that you've created has changed my life in the biggest way. So I am forever grateful to you and to Heartway, and we just want to say thank you. So my friends, I've had this feeling in my heart recently, um, just from conversations that I've had with some friends, and I realized that most of us believe still that we're so separate, that we're not connected, and that we're on this journey alone. And it's so sad to me because God, first of all, gave you everything within you. He created you perfectly whole and with all of the resources within yourself. So number one, we have all those things to heal, but also he created brothers and sisters for you. He didn't want you to be alone or else it would have just been you, right? But no, he created a brother for you, a sister for you that you can reach out to, that you can remind yourself that you are not separate from them. And that's our thing is our personality, right? That's the beautiful part that we're all so unique and different. But that's not truly who you are. That's like your avatar out in this this universe, right? But the soul, the soul within each and every one of us, that's who you are. That's the light within you that God placed. And that light shines just as bright as the light within me and within you. We're all reflections of each other. But we have to remove ourselves from this notion in our mind that tells us that we're different from one another and that we're so, we have such different beliefs. And at the end of the day, it's all love. It all comes down to love. And we can love one another even if we have different beliefs. But what's important is to know that you can confide in a friend. That if you're going through something, at least Heartway is truly a space for you. I have a particular conversation I had with a friend of mine and she felt like because she was struggling so much, she couldn't come or she can't connect with certain people because you don't wanna be a damper on someone. But it's the opposite. We want you. God is saying, come back. Come to me. You don't have to do it alone. So I wanted to remind you of that today. That we are here. Heartway is here. God is here. Connect with us. 
and then connect with yourself. All right, my friends? <laughs> so I want to do something that I think we all do, but we haven't, you know, sometimes we forget. I want us, as we close our eyes, to have a moment of gratitude. I want you to truly sit down now, close the eyes and take a deep breath. Really fill up your belly, expand. And, and then take a moment here, my friends. Take a moment to truly think about what you're grateful for. And I want you to move past the material and surface level things. Go deep within your soul and give thanks in this moment. First, for yourself. Be grateful for all that you are, all that you do. Forgive and let go of all the mistakes. Embrace this child of God this child of love. And as you allow this gratitude to enter your being, I want you to let go of everything else. Release all the weight that you're carrying. Remove yourself from the thoughts. Allow them to be like waves flowing in and out. And settle yourself into this peace, becoming an open vessel, ready to receive all that God has for you. Let's release all the fears Let's let go of all the doubts. Welcome love. Allow this love to ground you now. Feeling safe. Feeling heard. Protected. And guided. Feel the strength that this peace has for you, that this love that you were born with has for you. Honor the very stillness that you have within yourself. Continuing to deepen your breath. Allow yourself to sink just a little bit deeper. Go deeper into God's embrace. Allow yourself to feel his love hugging you. Feel the joy within your heart. Remind yourself that this peace, this love, is your true state of being. Don't shy away from it. 
Go deep within. Trust. Have faith. Know that God is there waiting for you. But first, you must take the leap. Sit comfortably knowing that you are never alone. That God is walking side by side with you through every up and every down. He is there, hands open waiting for you to grab on. I want you to take another good breath. This time slowly, really fill up, fill up. Hold your breath. Then release. Allow those shoulders to come down, unclench the jaw. If there's any tightness in your body, let go. Become so open, so light, that all you receive is love, joy. You begin to feel your true essence the being that God created. Honor this moment by honoring yourself, by knowing that you are whole, you were created with purpose, and there is not one mistake in your body. Let's take one more deep breath. Slowly inhaling, filling up that belly, allowing that breath to rise. And as you exhale, let it all go. Before you open your eyes, I want you to make a conscious decision now. Choose now to let it all go to release that which does not serve you and embrace this new beginning. Embrace God's love by embracing your true self. My friends, when you're ready, you can blink those eyes open, gently bringing yourself back. May love and peace always be with you. Amen, my friends, and so much love. <laughs> check, check. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Wow.
Wow, thank you, thank you. That's funny, thank you, I appreciate it. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing, um, it's amazing to have been able to dedicate so many years of my life, to have the privilege to dedicate so many years of my life to studying and reflecting on life's biggest questions. You know, it's not like I went to school to study something boring. I don't want to offend anybody who like, who like studies math or something. I don't know. Math is cool. You know, everything's cool in its own way. But theology, philosophy, spirituality, obviously that's, that's my heartbeat. And, you know, a lot of this, I, I, I have to say a huge thank you to my mother and my father because they are the reason. My, uh, my dad and my mom said, if you go all the way, all right, with your education, we're going to pay for it. But you just got to go all the way. And I'm like, what do you mean all the way? Because <laughs> this was like when I was getting out of high school. But they made a commitment that if I was willing to go this far, they would support me 110%. So to be able to graduate and have zero debt, come on, somebody. And so I have to say thank you to my wonderful parents who have been nothing but incredible, sacrificed so much. And, of course, in the acknowledgments portion of my project, I gave a little shout-out to my wife. And I also gave a, yes, because my wife has, she, she's seen me, you know, long nights writing, reading, doing all that. And, and of course, I gave a shout out to the Hartway family. Thank you guys for allowing me the privilege to be your pastor. And really the, the entire scope of my doctoral project was about what we're doing here in this community. Basically helping people heal from the wounds that they have experienced through church and religion and reimagining what spiritual community can be on the other side of very narrow religious fundamentalism, which many of us have experienced. And so Heartway is an experiment. Every Sunday that we gather and people show up, I'm like, wow, okay, I guess we're doing this again. Because there's no telling what's gonna happen from one week to the next. For me, this is all one big experiment. But it has been the most beautiful thing that I've ever been a part of in my life. And I recognize that a lot of us, this is the only little glimmer of light that we get in the whole week. Like your Monday through Saturday may not be as bright as your Sunday morning. But you've got to recognize that this light, this love, this energy, this positivity that you feel in this room on Sunday morning is within you. And what we have been constantly trying to teach everybody week after week is that you actually don't need your environment to be any different than it is in order for you to experience the kind of love and energy and power and light that you're experiencing now because all of this love and energy and power and light is in you. It's the presence of God's spirit dwelling in your heart you carry this light with you wherever you go which is why jesus said not only i am the light of the world which we love to focus on but he also said you are the light of the world you bring this light everywhere that you go and so let it rub off on you when you're here on sunday mornings and know that you get to carry this with you everywhere that you go so to get us started today i want to 
share with you a little story from the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. It is the story of two brothers by the name of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are Adam and Eve's kids. And one day, Cain and Abel are putting together these offerings to present to God. And for some reason, after they both present these offerings to God, God looks favorably upon Abel's offering, and God rejects Cain's offering. We don't know why. The story doesn't tell us or fill in those gaps. But Cain, as a result of feeling rejected and not knowing why his brother and his offering got accepted and not his own, he started getting a little angry. He started getting really jealous. And so he did what most brothers or sisters want to do when they get jealous of their siblings. They want, you know, he killed his brother. Okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, that's kind of right, basically. Okay, so... so Okay, so, so Cain, I don't know anything about that because I'm an only child, so I'm just speaking rumors of what I see in y'all's life, okay? But, but Cain, okay, kills Abel. And now, this is what happens as soon as that occurs. Look at what it says in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And Cain replied by saying, I don't know. Am I my brother's? keeper in other words am i responsible for this guy what's so fascinating about this story is that god never answers cain's question god never says yes you are your brother's keeper or no you are not your brother's keeper the story just goes on as if that question was never asked and so Jewish commentators have always tried to read between the lines and figure out why God did not give a direct reply to Cain. And one Jewish commentator says the reason why God did not give a direct answer to Cain is because the rest of the Torah is the reply. Well, what exactly is that reply? If you've read the Hebrew scriptures, you would see countless admonitions that is given to the people of Israel to care for the poor, to care for the sick, to care for the widows and for the orphans, to welcome in the foreigners and the outsiders, to give compassion to those who have been casted out by society, to walk with love and compassion, to show mercy, to live justly. That is the answer to the question, am I my brother's keeper. There's a prophet by the name of Amos who wrote a book in the Hebrew scriptures, and he has some of the strongest words to say about what it is that God truly desires to see within humanity. And I want to read to you this passage. This is actually kind of toned down a little bit, this translation. But Amos here is speaking on behalf of God, and he says this, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. Do you know what I want? 
I want justice. Oceans of it. I want fairness. Rivers of it. That's what I want. And that's all I want. We live in a very hyper-individualized culture. We've lost our sense of our deep connectedness with one another. What most of us tend to care about is me. How does this benefit me? What's in it for me? So much so that if there's some sort of injustice that's going on that doesn't directly affect us, we tend not to care. Alongside of that, if there happens to be some sort of injustice going on that we either implicitly or explicitly are contributing to and somebody brings that to our awareness, we do everything we can to wash our hands clean of it. I didn't do it. I'm not responsible. Am I my brother's keeper? Because it's really difficult for us to own up to the way that we have contributed to the chaos in this world. It's very difficult for us to acknowledge our blind spots. We rather justify ourselves and blame somebody else. And so in light of this tendency that all of us have as human beings, I think it's important for us to revisit this question that Cain asks in this story. Am I my brother's or sister's keeper? There's this story, I don't know how true it is or not, but it's still a beautiful story, about an anthropologist who went overseas to study the habits and the culture of a particular indigenous tribe. And before he left back to his hometown, he had some extra time before his flight and he wanted to play with the children. And so earlier in that day, he went to the city, he bought a whole bunch of candies, he put it in a, light, in a nice little bag with a bow tie, and he brought it to the village. And he put that bag right next to a tree, and then he drew a line on the ground. And he gathered all the kids of the village, and he told them to get behind the line. And he said, all right, we're going to play a game. When I say go, you guys are going to race, run as fast as you can. And the first person who can get to the tree gets this grand prize. In that bag, there are so many candies. You are going to love it. It's going to be the best thing you've ever put in your mouth. And so he said, on your mark, get set, go. As soon as he said go, all the kids turned to each other, grabbed one another's hands, and ran together to the tree. And when they got there, they opened up the bag, and they shared all the candies amongst themselves. And this guy was looking at them like, what is this? I've never seen this before. What's going on? And he said, why did you guys do this? Don't you know that if one of you would have ran faster than the others and you would have won this race, you could have had all those candies to yourself. And out of nowhere, one of the little girls says, well, how could one of us be happy if all the others are sad? Think about that, huh? How different of a mentality is that than the one we have in our hyper-individualized culture where it is all about me? See, there is no such thing as a lone human being. Your humanity is intrinsically connected to my humanity. 
My humanity is intrinsically connected to your humanity. Nobody exists in a vacuum. To exist is to exist in relationship by necessity because everything in this universe is interconnected, interrelated, interdependent. So to demean another human being is to demean yourself. To dehumanize you is to dehumanize me because all of us are leaves on the same tree. We are all waves of the same ocean. And whether you can see it yet or not, all of us are one. Now, we have names for everything and labels for everything and categories for everything. We separate this from that with our concepts. But reality at its core, beyond our labeling and categorization and concepts, Reality at, at, at its core is one fundamental unity, which is why in the New Testament, Paul uses this analogy of humanity as a body, right? The body has many different parts, but it's only one body. All the parts are connected to every other part, and no part of the body can say to another part of the body, I don't need you. So to use an African adage, I am because we are. You exist because we all exist. We're in it together. Everything is one. That's the mystery at the heart of this whole thing. A while back, I was hanging out with a Jewish friend of mine at a multi-faith event. And he was telling me this story about two rabbis who were arguing about what the most important verse in the Torah was. What's the most important verse that every other verse in the scriptures are subservient to? And one rabbi said the most important verse in all of the scriptures is love your neighbor as yourself. If you've read the New Testament, you know that Jesus agreed with that rabbi because he also said that all of the scriptures can be summed up in this one command to love your neighbor as yourself. But the other rabbi who was there arguing with the first said, no, 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 that's not the most important verse. There's a verse that's even more important than that one. And then he goes on to quote this really obscure passage of scripture that begins one of the longest genealogies from the book of Genesis. If you've ever read through the scriptures, you'll know that there, there are these really long genealogies in some of these books. So-and-so was married to this person, and they gave birth to this person. And then uh, this person was the son of this person, and this person was the son of that person. And it just goes on and on and on and on. I used to feel so guilty for skipping over these parts, but I'm like, God, come on, dude, what is this? Do we really need this in here? Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, so... This, this rabbi said the most important verse is the beginning of this genealogy from the book of Genesis that says, these are the generations of Adam. Okay, the word Adam in the Hebrew simply means human. In other words, these are the generations of humanity. The point being, all of us share one big family tree. 
And the reason why this scripture is even more important than the one that says love your neighbor as yourself is because you and I like to get away with stuff. And it's very easy to narrow down our definition of who our neighbor is so that we only end up extending love to those neighbors who look like us, think like us, act like us, believe like us, are a part of our group or our tribe. But this verse that says these are the generations of Adam reveals to us this fundamental truth at the heart of existence, which is that you and I as human beings are part of one universal family that extends far beyond even our own time on this earth. Everyone is your brother. Everyone is your sister. No exceptions. Like it says in the New Testament, we are all his offspring. Every single one of us, we are all his offspring. I want to read to you this quote from a Persian religious leader, Baha'u'llah. And he started the Baha'i faith. If you've never heard of it, it's very interesting. They have some of the the most beautiful spiritual text that I've ever read, and I'm, and I'm widely read in a lot of different traditions. But the Baha'i faith is beautiful. And look at what these folks say. It is not for him to pride himself who loves his own country, but rather for him who loves the whole world. The earth is but one country, and mankind its citizens. If we were to live as if this were true, we would never allow any sort of national, religious, political, racial, cultural differences get in the way of our responsibility to care for one another, to show compassion to each other, to see the humanity in one another's eyes. You are your brother's keeper. You are your sister's keeper. Even when they don't think like you or look like you or agree with you or believe in the same things that you do, Jesus told us to take it even one step further by saying you are your brother's keeper and your sister's keeper even when they oppose you. And this is where most of us still are lagging far behind the way of Christ. Even when they oppose you, you are to give honor and dignity and respect. In our culture, we think respect and honor and dignity has to be earned. If you don't deserve this from me, then I will not give it to you. If you do not give it to me, why should I give it to you? But the way of Christ is the complete opposite. The way of Christ is even if you mistreat me, I will choose not to mistreat you. Even if you harm me, I will choose not to harm you. Because real love includes the love of those who consider themselves to be our enemy. What good is it if we love those who only love us in return? That's not saying much. Anybody can do that. That's easy. That's step one. You want to take this to the next level. Learn how to love those who do not love you in return. This is what inner peace looks like in action. 
refusing to hold on to the grudges, refusing to hold on to the bitterness. If it's there, it's okay. Work with it. Feel it. Allow it to be there. But go deeper. Set yourself free through forgiveness. Otherwise, you're always going to keep yourself in this cage thinking that somebody else has the key. If they change, if those people only stop saying those things, then I wouldn't have to be like this. Then I wouldn't have to feel like this. You can take that route. You're just going to be waiting a really long time. (laughs) I'm glad that we all want to change the world. But there is no fixing the world until you fix your heart. It starts here. It's so simple that we miss it. We rather point the finger somewhere else than actually be the kind of change that we desire to see in our world. In the book of Ephesians, speaking of Jesus, it says Jesus' purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. I love that phrase. One new humanity. Most conventional religious teaching, especially in the West, tends to divide humanity into two. We've got the saved and the unsaved. We've got the faithful and we've got the faithless. We've got the righteous and we've got the unrighteous, the holy and the sinful, the good and the evil. But when love becomes the center of your thinking, those categories just don't work for you anymore because you come to see through eyes of love that it's the very act of categorizing and labeling that is separating and dividing us. Love does not see the world in categories. Love sees the world as an extension of itself. I see myself in you and I see you in me. If I went through your experiences and I believed the same things that you believe, I would be the same kind of person you are. I would be doing the same kind of things that you're doing. I would be fighting in the same kind of way that you're fighting. And so I can look beneath the surface of whatever the argument is into your heart. And I see a human being who's just gone through some things. A product of their environment and experiences. That's what all of us are. And I have the wonderful gift of looking back at my own life and seeing when I was a religious bigot. Really. And what helped me learn how to have compassion towards those, you know, narrow-minded religious people is recognizing that when I was that, my intentions were so pure. My intentions were good. I mean, I was wrecking havoc left and right, saying very irresponsible things. (laughs) But I thought I was doing good. I was able to recognize my own heart. And now I see that in others. Are we able to do that with one another? Think about how often you have changed your mind about stuff. Really. Think about how often you have changed your mind about stuff. And we still have the audacity to stand our ground on what we believe to be right and true right now in this moment. And if you're wrong, I'm going to let you know. (laughs) 
And I'm going to write comments on your Facebook. I'm going to tweet you about it because this is a problem. And I'm going to just talk about you and trash you. And this past week, I got a phone call from a friend of mine. Me and this guy were super close. We went to Palm Beach Atlantic University together to, to do my uh, undergrad studies. Then it was through him that I got very deeply entrenched in within Christianity. It's called the Reformed world, Reformed theology. And so I was so connected to this dude, we ended up going to the same seminary school. Seminary was in Louisville, Kentucky. I was based here, but I would fly out to Louisville every once in a while to take like intensive courses. Every time I went up to Louisville, I was hanging out with this guy and we would laugh it up and just have a great time. Well, over the years, when I started to question my faith and really lose my Christianity and start reimagining and redefining a lot of things, he was one of the guys who was in my Facebook comments a lot, right? And, and so at that time, I was just very sensitive because I was receiving so much criticism from people. A lot of it was warranted. You know, I was, I was poking at folks, which is something I recognize now on the other side. I, I, was, I was poking and prodding and then saying, like, man, why are you criticizing me? <laughs> but, you know, he was one of those annoying people who was on my Facebook comments. And so one day I got sick of it. I blocked him. And, and I blocked him everything. It's called being a Virgo. It's our, super, it's our superpower. Once you're excommunicated, you're excommunicated. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Phone number, Twitter, uh, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, everything. He's out. Gone. Like he never existed. <laughs> you're dead to me, exactly. Well, maybe like about a year and a half ago, whatever, I actually went back to my, all my social media platforms and I unblocked anyone who I've ever blocked. I don't even remember half of the reasons why I blocked certain people, but I had a long list of blocks, okay? And so I'm like, I don't, you know, why am I, why do I even, why do I, why am I doing this? Like, why, you know, I need to just not have a block list, you know, for what? So about a year and a half ago, after a lot of healing that I had to do with my own stuff, I, I took everybody off my block list. But don't get it twisted. I will put you back on there if you try me. All right? I'm just messing, kind of, sort of. We'll see. So unblocked everybody. I guess he started seeing some of my stuff pop up, whatever, and he called me. He reached out to me and said, hey, bro, I've been wanting to connect with you. I've been thinking about you. Can, can we talk? And I said, absolutely, I would love to talk. We had this incredible conversation. He is, he is right now, I don't know, in Russia or Ukraine or somewhere with his wife and a couple of kids. He's a missionary. All right? So he very much still on the very same path. Can I tell you how much of a wonderful conversation we got to have? I, I got to apologize to him. And he apologized to me because we didn't know how to look beyond our differences and maintain our friendship. And it was such a beautiful moment of reconciliation that happened because in that moment we were able to see one another's humanity again. It really wasn't about what you believe or don't believe, even though we got into some of those conversations. I actually took it there. And he was like, well, since you're taking it there, 
And he's like, and I have some questions for you for the next time we talk. You know, he's like, I know, I see, like, sometimes you'll bring people from other religions onto the stage at Heartway, and I have some questions about that, and I have some, a, a few things I want to ask you about, you know, how you practice your faith, but we'll leave that for next time. I said, absolutely, man, I would love to have that conversation with you. But I told him, I said, thank you for being patient with me because I didn't know, I wasn't even capable of doing this three years ago. I didn't even know how. This wasn't even an option or a possibility for me. It was just, you disagreed with me. And I'm taking that as a threat to my identity. So I cannot talk to you. <laughs> and that's the only way a lot of us know how to function. But there is a higher way. And that is the way of love. It's the way of love. And this is how we create one new humanity. Let me read to you this quote from a Russian novelist. Powerful words. If only it were all so simple. If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? It's very easy to just say, yeah, those people are the problem. Those are the evil people. And we've just got to get rid of them. Without recognizing that that very evil that you're calling out in another actually exists within you. And it is acknowledging that that can then level the playing field. It's grace. In the Quaker tradition of the Christian faith... They like to say that there is that of God within everyone. There is that of God within everyone. Love is what happens when you see that of God in another. When the God in you sees the God in them. Like our yogi here, Gabby, says after all of her classes, Namaste, same principle. When your soul can see their soul. When you can look beyond the surface of people's beliefs and ideologies and affiliations into the core of who they are. But if you haven't gone into the core of who you are, how will you ever acknowledge that in the other? If you maintain your identity with the persona, with the beliefs, with the ideological structures, then you will think that other people are their beliefs too. Go deeper. I invite you to go deeper. Let love deconstruct all of those beliefs that you're holding on to so tightly as an identity. It's okay to have beliefs, right? Even though, again, I'm going to always <laughs> push you beyond belief. It's okay to have belief, but love is what allows you to swim in much deeper waters where the beliefs almost become irrelevant at that point because knowledge just tends to puff up. Love, like the New Testament says, builds up. This is not to undermine all of our differences and distinctives. I believe that differences and distinctives need to be honored and celebrated and highlighted, absolutely. 
But your fundamental identity has nothing to do with where you were born, what you believe, what your politics are, what the color of your skin may be, what your gender or, or, or se sexual orientation is. Who you are at the core of your being is a reflection of divinity. And that is an identity that you share with everything and everyone. So to be united to God is to be united to all. To be at peace with God is to be at peace with everyone because God is in everyone and everyone is in God. In him we live and move and have our being. Like Paul said in the book of Acts. So for those of us who have more exclusivistic ideologies, I understand and I know that this kind of vast, broad, universal, inclusive way of seeing the world can seem very dangerous. It may be difficult for you to cross that line. But my question for you to wrestle with is, what kind of a world have these kind of exclusivistic ideologies created up to this point? And be honest in your assessment of that question. Regardless of what the subject matter may be, religious or otherwise, to think that there is only one way which happens to be my way has been the cause of so much strife and division in this world. And only love can move us past that. Love moves you beyond yourself. It is a very good thing for us to advocate for individual freedom. We must continue to do that until all people are free. And in America, we talk about that in a very specific way. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to peaceably assemble, freedom to petition the government. Let us advocate for these universal human freedoms, absolutely. But for those of us who have surrendered our lives to God, the end goal for us is not freedom for the sake of freedom. The end goal for us is freedom for the sake of love. What we do with our freedom is use it in service of love. For us, love cannot be defined apart from freedom. And freedom cannot be defined apart from love. The two belong together. And so with our freedom... We serve the common good, even if that means we need to lay down our own rights for a while. We will do it willingly. We will willingly lay down our lives for the sake of others. When you are able to do that, that is when you are truly free. You're so free that you don't even need to hold on to your freedom. Y'all ain't ready for that yet. One last scripture, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and thus destroy your freedom, because that's not real freedom. <laughs> Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That is how freedom grows. Amen? Let's pray. God, we open up our minds and our hearts to receive your goodness 
and your love and your presence in this moment. You are with us. You are in us, living through us and as us. Remove the veil from our eyes so that we can see that we are one. One with you, one with one another. There never has been any sort of separation. Today, we take up the responsibility to be our brother's keeper, to be our sister's keeper. To always keep in mind the common good. We are so grateful that we have one another. Allow us through love to move beyond ourselves so that we can serve each other and together create this beloved community in which all people are given dignity and honor and respect simply for having breath. No other reason needed. We thank you, God, that in this community, you are teaching us how to live this out amongst ourselves. As we continue to learn through our mistakes and fumble our way into life in the kingdom, may others be able to see this light shining so much so that we become like a city on a hill and people come from all walks of life to join us in this endeavor of bringing heaven to earth. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody. Happy Sunday. I hope you were impacted by today's service. Love you tremendously. We'll catch you next Sunday, 11 a.m. Don't come alone. Bring a friend. See ya.